Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. Episode 1, The Vanishing. Ireland, 1994. A small ferry is making its way out to sea. On board is Neville Presho and his family. You should be able to see the island now. Can you see the harbour yet, Fiona? I can't see anything past you stomping about. Sit down, Neville. I know you're excited, but you're getting the children all worked up. We should take them out on deck, Fiona. I don't think my stomach will let me. That was the longest nine miles of my life. I'm not as used to the sea as you. Neville hasn't seen his house for eight years. He's been on the other side of the world, living in New Zealand. Why don't you take me David out? He's dying to see the house. Right, son. You make sure and remember this. <laughs> the pair of you. Be careful out there. The house is on a remote island nine miles off Ireland's northwest coast. It's called Tory. There's the island, Davy. It's been around for thousands and thousands of years. Imagine that. Over there, on the eastern side, there's a line of big spiky rocks called Valor's Soldiers. Valor was one of the ancient kings. We can go up and explore his fort. And the lighthouse. You'll love the lighthouse, son. If you look really hard, you might see it twinkling at you. Back in the day, they used lights to shipwreck boats off the rocks. It's a great story. Like something from one of your pirate books. Neville's wife, Fiona, and their two children have never seen the house. Neville bought it before they got married. Now, they're planning to stay for a few days. Maybe even spend the summer. Listen, can you hear the seagulls shrieking? That means we're getting closer to the harbour. There it is, David. Do you see the bell tower sticking up? Well, our wee house isn't too far from it. Follow my finger. I'll point it out. But something is wrong. Hold on. What? I don't understand. Where's it gone? The house has vanished. My name is Neville Presho. This is the real Neville Presho. He's now 73 and just out of hospital after breaking his hip. As he recovered at home during lockdown, we recorded a series of phone conversations to piece together this astonishing story. I'm just trying to get my thoughts in order here. Um... It's just such a good while ago, and of course, at the time, everything was very fresh, and it had an impact on on me, obviously. The boat trip we just heard about happened 27 years ago, and at that moment, the very moment Neville realised his house had vanished, the life he had known before, it was gone, gone forever. Let's go back. April 1994 three months before Neville boards the ferry to Tory. He's living in Queenstown, New Zealand, when one day, out of the blue... Well, I got a letter from Donegal County Council. Although it's nine miles off the coast, Tory Island falls under the jurisdiction of the most northerly county in Ireland, Donegal, and the letter has some surprising news. Seriously, Fiona, this is ridiculous. I don't understand what they're going on about. Apparently, the house is falling apart. They're trying to say storm damage has wrecked the walls. I find that hard to believe myself. 
Those walls are three feet thick. They're made of stone. It'd take some storm to bring that wee house down. Well, I don't know what they expect me to do about it, sitting here on the other side of the world. We could go back. I mean, just for a visit to check up on things. You're always talking about going back. Are you serious, love? Maybe this letter's the excuse we've been waiting for, Neville. If we went home for a while, your family could help and you could get the house sorted out. I think the change would do us the world of good. You've no idea what that would mean to me, love. I've always wanted to share Tory with you and the children. Dear only knows what state the house is in, but imagine if we could do it up and go out there every so often just to get away from everything. You have to see Tory in the summer, Fiona. It's the most beautiful place in the world, and the people, oh, the people are so lovely. They go out of their way to welcome you. It was a major trip because David was two and a half and Rachel was nine months. And you can imagine flying all the way back from New Zealand and getting out to Tory Island with two young children. You know, that was no mean feat. Tory is rugged, remote and stunningly beautiful. It's been said it does not belong to Ireland, but to the Atlantic Ocean. Just three miles long, less than a mile wide, it rises out of the sea, east to west like a wedge. It's home to about 120 people, and Irish is spoken as the first language. Auron Escadon, Song of the Herring, is the island's most famous song. I thank the God of glory for how I put in my time on a rock in the middle of the ocean among the birds of the cliffs. These towering cliffs to the east are a haven for seabirds and though there isn't a single tree on Tory, the island's few fields, tended by traditional methods, offer sanctuary to the corncrake a rare bird that migrates from Africa each year to spend its summers. Its distinctive call hangs in the summer breeze. Neville came here first as a visitor too. He fell in love with the serenity and peace of the island and decided to buy a house. A house that appears to have vanished into thin air. Sorry, excuse me, can you let me pass? Don, Neville, I need you to help me with the kids. I have to go and look for my house. Sorry, excuse me, I really need to get off the boat now. It's an emergency. My house has disappeared. Neville's house had been one of the most distinctive on the island, right above the shore, close to the harbour. It enjoyed panoramic sea views. Now, there's almost no sign that a house ever stood there. Well, all I saw was six inches of plastic piping sticking out of the ground, which would have been my water supply. That, that was also, and there were large boulders surrounding my site about sort of eight feet by two feet in size round the perimeter of, you know, where my house had been. My bath was lying on the beach upside down. You need to calm down. People are staring. You're causing a scene. Too right I am. I can't find my own house. Screaming and getting on is not helping at all. Calm yourself, Neville. We'll go and see if anybody knows what's happened here. Well, I could ask Mary Meenan. She keeps a hold of the keys for me. She might know something. Come on, that's her house over there. 
You'll like Mary, so you will, Fiona. She's always been really kind to me. Wait till you see how annoyed she'll be about all of this. Uh, Neville, I wasn't expecting you. Well, this is a lovely surprise. Are you coming in for a cup of tea? Where's my house? I'm sorry about that, Mrs Mean, and Neville's a bit wound up. I am his wife, Fiona, and these are our wee ones. Would you be able to help us? We just wanted to know what happened to the house. I wouldn't like to say what happened, Pat. I really didn't see anything myself. It was a wild night the night it went. I was inside early with the curtains pulled. You must have seen something. Houses don't just disappear. You're right, son. Houses don't disappear. It was a whirlwind that took yours. It just clean sucked it up. Whoosh, just like that. One second it was there, the next it was gone. While he was still at sea, searching the horizon for his house, Neville had spotted something new on the island. A large white building just across the road from where his house had been. Turns out it's a hotel. Hello? Hello? Is there anybody here? Who are you looking for now? I don't know, Fiona. Whoever owns this bloody hotel? They're right across the road from my house. They're bound to know what happened. Hello? Hello? Who's in charge here? That'd be me. Now, what's all this racket about? Patrick Doohan. I didn't expect to see you back on Tory. Is this your place now? Tis indeed. Built it myself. It's a great improvement on the old hotel, isn't it? I don't care whether it is or not. I want to know what's happened to my house. It seems to be your car park now. Sure, it burnt down, Neville. A wee while back, did nobody tell you? We were told it was damaged in a storm. Now you're saying it went on fire? I don't know what to think, Patrick. Everybody's telling me a different story. My husband deserves to know what happened. Somebody must be responsible. I understand. There's no need to get riled up with me. If I were in your shoes, I'd want to find out who burnt my house down. The house was burnt. Neville wasn't told anything about a fire. The letter from the council mentioned storm damage, nothing about a fire. This is the first he's heard of it, but he doesn't pursue it. I was probably in such a state of shock. I wasn't into, you know, great investigations. You see, something happened. The moment Neville realised his house was gone, something snapped. He would later describe it as a switch flicking in his mind. It's hard to describe it. Um, unbelief, shock, horror, <laughs> you know. And, you know, that was what the flick would have been, you know, into unbelief, disbelief, you know. In the weeks and months to come, this feeling will get worse, a lot worse. The disappearance of his house will come at great personal cost to Neville. But right now, he just wants answers. My head's racing, Fiona. I need some space to think. I'm going for a walk to sort myself out. That's probably not a bad idea, Neville. Take yourself off for a while. Calm down a bit. I'll do my best to occupy the kids.
What's he done? It's me, Neville. Ah, it's good to see you, boy. How's things down under? I heard you got yourself a woman out there. Aye, and a pair of wains, too. They're down at the harbour. <laughs> Can I ask you something, Patsy? Friend to friend. I know you'll level with me. I'll do my best, fire away. Do you know what happened to my house? Ah, uh, Neville. It'd be better if you didn't ask questions about that. It would be better if you didn't ask questions about that. These words hit Neville hard because they were spoken by the island's king, a man whose words mattered. Tory has had a king for centuries. It's a place where tradition holds sway, a place of folklore and ancient customs, a place that fascinated Neville. In a way, the disappearance of his house broke Neville's heart. It changed his life forever. To understand why, we need to go back a little. In the 1960s, the anthropologist Robin Fox visited the island and wrote, The Tory people lavish names on the land. There is not a rock or a cleft or a hollow that goes unnamed. The spoken language is very rich on the island. Professor Lillis O'Leary has been coming to Tory for decades. Recently in the school, the children did a project and they gathered 400 minor names, names of small places around the island. The culture, folklore, language and music seem to be embedded in the very rock of Tory itself. The question arises, well, how did that place get its name? And then if you ask someone that question, they'll tell you the story. So... The stories are tied to the landscape on the island and the seascape as well. But for all its isolation, rich culture and traditional way of life, Tory is not immune to change. I read recently that Tory had changed more in the last 50 years than it had changed in the previous thousand because of modernity. So all of that old way of life is gone. And it was that old way of life that brought Neville to Tory in the 1970s. He'd long held an interest in vanishing ways of life, and he found it on Tory. As a young engineering student, Neville spent his summers travelling to remote, far-flung places. He stayed with the Sami tribe in Norway, fished for salmon in Alaska, and then his job took him to Nepal. Well, it was basically to design water supply schemes for Himalayan towns. But he soon realised that his work would end a centuries-old tradition of making pots to carry water. Normally, people would use, you know, brass jars and things to, to, to collect water. You know, I thought when the water schemes came into being that the brass jar makers would not have a market. So it was going to affect their way of life, in a sense. Conflicted by his complicity in bringing about the demise of this tradition, a chance meeting at a monastery in Nepal would give him a new purpose, to capture vanishing ways of life. At Tangbochi Monastery, I saw a film crew and that was the first time in my life I'd ever seen a film crew. In Nepal, 14,000 feet up in the Himalayas and just to the south of Everest is Tangboche, a Buddhist monastery of 40 monks. 
Neville had arrived during the filming of the 1973 documentary The Roaring Silence, about Buddhism. And I went over to the director, Peter Montagnon, and said, um, how would I get into filmmaking? And he said, oh, write a book and make a film. <laughs> For the monks, music isn't there just to embellish or beautify their prayers. It has as much significance and power as the words themselves. A seed was sown, if you want. On his return from Nepal, despite having no experience in filmmaking, Neville quit his job, sold his flat, and set out to make his first documentary, Summer Silver, inspired by a family of salmon fishers he'd come to know on visits to County Donegal as a young man. While out fishing with them early one morning, Neville saw Tory Island for the first time. When morning was about to break, there was a beautiful golden hue over this piece of land in front of me. And I said to Colonel, where's that place? And he said, oh, that's Tory Island. And I said, oh, I've got to go there. Although Neville knew next to nothing about making films, he learned fast. And his documentary, Summer Silver, was a success. It won six international awards. It won the best Irish film at the Cork International Film Festival. And it won a lovely award in France, the Cran Blanc Trophy, for the film which best illustrates the essential values of life. It was the first of six acclaimed documentaries that Neville would make. His next would be about Tory. To get out to Tory, you had to wait in Call's pub and look out the window and keep an eye out for a half-degger coming out of the mist, bringing in lobsters and stuff and salmon. But when they came to the mainland, their first port of call was up to Call's pub to have a drink and they fueled up before they went back to Tory. Neville's next documentary would be about Tory, and his arrival coincided with a big event for the Islanders, the opening of their new social club. So you're the fellow who's making the film? That'd be me. Am I the first filmmaker to come out here? You might well be. You're certainly not the first artist, though. I think it's the music and the stories that draw them to Tory. Miltarig Douster. Sorry, I don't speak Irish. I said, are you dancing? Oh, no, I can't. I have two left feet. I'm just happy enough standing here enjoying the music. Do you mind if I ask why nobody's playing the fiddle tonight? Oh, we've not much time for fiddles on Tory. It's nine miles to the shore if you break a string. The accordion's a safer bet out here. Doesn't have any strings to break, and when the wind's up and it's usually howling, you can still hear an accordion. Now... I'm not asking, I'm telling this time. Come on out here and dance with me. Tory music's not made for standing to. It was quite an experience uh, that night, you know, the dancing and the music. Uh, it, it was incredible, you know. I'd never sort of experienced that before. Excuse me, I don't speak Irish myself. Could you tell me what she's singing about? Do you not know this one? That's an old favourite. It's just a wee song about a fella on a boat coming out of Tory. There's a lovely tune to it, though. Now, your man who was up before this, you'd be more interested in what he said. He was telling a great story about Baller. You know about Isle Baller, don't you? A little. Just what I've read in books. 
What was he saying? Can you give me the gist? Balor was the king of the Fomorians. Now, this would have been a fair few years ago. He ruled the island and nobody could get near to defeat him on account of him having the evil eye. He was one of those, what do you call them, with one eye? A cyclops. That's the one. And he imprisoned his wee lassie, Ethna, up there on Tormor. He wouldn't let any fellas near her. Fair play to him. I've a daughter myself. It's not a bad idea. Sorry, I'm blathering on. Ask a Tory man to tell a story and you'll not get away till the middle of next week. Now, what are you drinking? At that stage, tourists and visitors were not common on Tory, and Neville was touched by the warmth of their welcome. For me, as an outsider, the way the islanders look favourably on me, you know. Islanders would, would pop into people's houses as, as, as a sort of a, a thing on Tory. And one of the things they did when they came in, they would switch from speaking Irish to speaking English because I couldn't speak Irish. But I, I, I thought that was very polite of them. To, to go out of their way to speak English to me, you know? Neville was enchanted by the island's way of life. But he also realised, just as he had in Nepal, that this was a way of life that would soon be lost. You know, what the people were doing, cutting hay with scythes, it was just a totally new experience to me, you know, their way of life. Nearly every family had a cow, you know, to milk for, for their milk, and they baked their own bread you know, they were sort of self-sufficient at that stage. All of those were disappearing ways of life, you know. And now they say the cow comes on the ferry, so all the milk comes on the ferry. So what's the plan here, Neville? We don't have that much time in the harbour. There's a boat coming in soon, and I want to make sure we get plenty of good footage of the provisions coming in from the mainland. People don't understand how isolated Tory is. Anything else you're after? I really loved the two men building the boat from yesterday. Maybe it's just me being sentimental. It reminded me of building a rowing boat with my Uncle Robert. But I thought that footage was particularly... It got me thinking it'd be good to have a few more scenes around the fishing. It's the main thing folks do for a living here. I thought we could get some of the harbour while we're waiting for the boat to appear. They were all very open and they didn't look at the camera or anything like that. You know, they just worked away doing what they were doing, as if I wasn't there, you know, which was great. What about them wains over there in the rock pools? Or those two men stacking lobster pots? Perfect. Sure, we'll start with them. The light's really good by the docks right now. Hello, sorry to interrupt. Uh, Would you mind if we filmed the two of you stacking those lobster pots? It's for the documentary. Work away? (laughs) As long as you don't want me to say anything. No, just get on like we're not even here. I'm Neville, by the way. What's your name, son? It's Patrick. Patrick Doohan. Patrick Doohan, who would later open a hotel right across the road from Neville's house, and tell Neville... If I were in your shoes, I'd want to find out who burnt my house down. Twenty years later, his house having apparently vanished off the face of the earth, the summer he spent on the island making his documentary would seem like a distant dream. After his house vanished... Neville would never make another film. Exasperated and baffled by the wall of silence from the islanders about what happened to his house, 
Neville has no choice but to leave Tory Island. But before he does, he meets another outsider. The island's priest. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to disturb you. Are you okay there? Yes, Father. No. I don't actually know, to be honest. I'm a bit all over the place. You wouldn't be Neville, by any chance? <laughs> I was wondering when you might appear. I'm so sorry about your house, son. Is there anything I can do to help? The house is gone. There's no changing that. I just want to find out what happened. Nobody will give me a straight answer. Do you know anything yourself, Father? I don't, I don't, Neville. <laughs> I'm not trying to be deliberately vague. I'll gladly tell you what I know, though I don't think it'll be much help. Now, this would have been January of last year. I think it was the night of the 13th, a Wednesday night. I woke in the middle of the night. The room was all lit up in fiery colours, red and oranges and the like, flickering over the wallpaper. <laughs> I don't mind telling you, it took me a while to collect myself. I thought for a second I'd woke up in hell. And then I remembered the northern lights. On a good clear night, the island gets more than its fair share of aurora borealis. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen the lights yourself, Neville, but they're a glorious thing to behold. I didn't get out of bed for a look. I'm sorry to say I let myself get used to them. By the morning, I'd forgotten all about the strange lights in my room. After breakfast, I went down to the harbour to check what sort of damage the storm had done. I saw your house then. It was all burnt down. It didn't take me more than a second to put two and two together. It wasn't the northern lights I'd seen. I went picking through the rubble. I found your wee boat burnt to ash in the middle of the house. It was a pitiful-looking sight. I did try asking if anybody had seen it happen. Nobody seen nothing, supposedly. <laughs> if they had, they weren't for saying. I'm sure that could be the Tari motto. You'll not get one of them to speak out against the rest. Next time... Hello? It's just me, love. How are you? How's the kids? Never mind how the kids are, Neville. Where the hell are you? I have more important things to be getting on with than worrying about your old house and Tory. You're supposed to keep records of things like this. How am I ever going to get to the truth if nobody will tell me what happened? Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.